0: Chapter Twenty Seven of Elsie's Children. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Bria Snow. Elsie's Children by Martha Finlay. Chapter Twenty Seventh Nursed by the Virtues She Hath Been from Childhood's Hour. Halleck. Count all the advantage prosperous vice attains, tis but what virtue flies from and disdains, and grant the bad what happiness they would one they must want, which is to pass for good, Pope mrs travilla was sitting on the veranda of the hotel reading a letter her husband had handed her at the tea-table when violet came in rushing toward her in wild affright mamma mamma something's wrong at the water something's happened herbie just came running up from the beach calling for the lifeboats. papa and eddie have gone back with him running as fast as they can oh, i'm afraid harold or Rosie has fallen into the water she added bursting into hysterical weeping her mother rose hastily thrusting the letter into her pocket pale but calm daughter dear we will not meet trouble half-way i do not think it could be for they are not disobedient or venturesome but come and so together they hurried toward the beach in a moment they perceived that their fears were groundless for they could see their dear ones coming to meet them violet's tears were changed to laughter as harold gave a humorous account of cousin ronald's cell as he called it and the latter's praise of the boy's bravery and readiness to respond to the cry for help brought proud happy smiles to the lips and eyes of both mother and sisters elsie had joined them as had mrs ross and a handsome richly dressed middle-aged lady whom she introduced as her friend mrs ford from kentucky they as lucy afterward told elsie had made acquaintance the year before at saratoga and were glad to meet again mrs ford was much taken with elsie and her daughters pleased indeed with the whole family and from that time forward sought their company very frequently elsie found her to be an entertaining companion polished in manners refined intelligent highly educated and witty but very worldly caring for the pleasures and rewards of this life only She was a wealthy widow with but one child, a grown son of whom she talked a great deal. Clarence Augustus was evidently, in his mother's eyes, the perfection of manly beauty and grace, a great genius, and, indeed, everything that could be desired in a man. "He is still single," she one day said significantly to the younger Elsie, "though I know plenty of girls, desirable matches in every way, who would have been delighted with the offer of his hand yes my dear i am quite sure of it she added seeing a slight smile of incredulity on the young girl's face only wait till you have seen him he will be here on the morrow elsie was quite willing to wait and no dreams of mrs ford's idol disturbed either her sleeping or waking hours clarence augustus made his appearance duly the next day at the dinner-table he was a really handsome man if regular features and fine colouring be all that is necessary to constitute good looks but his face wore an expression of self-satisfaction and contempt for others which was not attractive to the iron clan it soon became evident that to most of the other ladies in the house he was an object of admiration his mother seized upon an early opportunity to introduce him to the missus travilla coming upon them as they stood talking together on the veranda but they merely bowed and withdrew, having, fortunately, an engagement to drive at that hour with their parents and cousins along the beach. "'What do you think of him?' asked Violet, when they had reached their room. "'He has good features and a polished manner.' "'Yes. But do you like his looks?' "'No. I do not desire his acquaintance.' Nor I. He is not the sort that Papa and Grandpa would wish us to know.' "'No. So let us keep out of his way. But without seeming to do so—' oh yes as far as we can we don't wish to hurt his feelings or his mother's they carried out their subtle plan of avoidance so skilfully that neither mother nor son was quite sure it was intended in fact it was difficult for them to believe that any young girl could wish to shun the attentions of a young man so attractive in every way as was clarence augustus ford i should like you to marry one of those girls the mother said to her son chatting alone with him in her own room you could not do better They are beautiful highly educated and accomplished and will have large fortunes which he added sententiously with a smile that seemed to say he was conscious that he only had to take his choice i don't care there's hardly a pin to choose between them just my opinion well i think i shall go for the dark eyes you tell me the other is not out yet and i hear the father refuses on that plea to allow any one to court her they're between you and me mrs f I fancy he might make an exception in my favour. It would not surprise me, Clarence Augustus, she responded, regarding him with a proud, fond smile. I fancy he must be aware that there is no better match in the Union. But you have no time to lose. They may leave here any day. True. But what's to hinder us from following? However, I will take your advice and lose no time. Let me borrow your writing desk for a moment i'll ask her to drive with me this morning and while we're out secure her company for the boating party that's to come off tomorrow. a few moments later the younger elsie came into her mother's room with a note written in a manly hand on delicate perfumed french paper what shall i do about it mamma she asked will you answer it for me of course you know i do not wish to accept i will daughter mrs travilla said that if he were such a man as I could receive into my family on friendly terms I should prefer to have you answer it yourself. Mr. Ford's very handsome carriage and horses were at the door, a liveried servant holding the reins. The gentleman himself waited in the parlour for the coming of the young lady, who, he doubted not, would be well pleased to accept his invitation. He was not kept waiting long he had indeed scarcely seated himself and taken up the morning paper when mr travilla's ben appeared with a note presented it in a grave silence and with a respectful bow withdrew hold on it may require an answer mr ford called after him no sir mr travilla say there's no answer returned ben looking back for an instant from the doorway and then vanishing through it all right muttered clarence augustus opening the missive and glancing over the contents an angry flush suffusing his face as he read what is it she hasn't declined surely mrs ford asked in an undertone close at the side just that it's from the mother she thanks me for the invitation but respectfully declines not even condescending to a shadow of an excuse what can it mean i don't know i'm sure but if they knew he had serious intentions it might make a difference possibly or soon bring it to the proof he rose and went out in search of mr travilla he found him alone and at once asked his permission to pay court to elsie the request was courteously but decidedly and firmly refused may i ask why queried the young man in anger and in astonishment because sir it would not be agreeable to either my daughter herself or to her mother or to me then i must say sir that you of all three hard to please but pray sir what is the objection do you insist upon knowing i do sir then let me answer your query of another would you pay court to a young woman however wealthy beautiful or high-born whose moral character was no better whose life had been no purer than your own of course not exclaimed ford coloring violently but who expects i do sir "'I expect the husbands of my daughters to be as pure and stainless as my sons wives. "'I'm as good as the rest, sir. "'You'll not find one young fellow in five hundred who has sowed fewer wild oats than I. "'I fear that may be true enough, but it does not alter my decision,' returned Mr. Travilla, "'intimating by a bow and a slight wave of the hand that he considered the interview at an end. "'Ford withdrew in anger, but with an intensified desire to—' secure the coveted prize the more difficult the acquisition the more desirable it then seemed to him he persuaded his mother to become his advocate with mrs travilla she at first fully refused but at length yielded to his entreaties and undertook the difficult and to her haughty spirit humiliating mission requesting a private interview with elsie she told her of the wishes of clarence augustus and pleaded his cause with all the eloquence of which she was mistress my boy would make your daughter a good husband she said indeed i think any woman might feel honoured by the offer of his hand i do not understand how it is mrs travilla that a lady of your sense fails to say that i appreciate your feelings my dear mrs ford said elsie gently i am a mother too you know and i have sons of my own yes and what possible objection can you have to mine excuse my saying it but the one your husband advanced seems to me simply absurd nevertheless it is the only one except that our child's heart is not enlisted but either alone would be insuperable she hardly knows him yet could not fail to learn to love him if he did be persuaded my dear mrs trevilla to give him a chance to try It is never well to be hasty especially in declining a good offer this let me tell you is such a one as you will not meet with every day lovely and attractive in every way as your daughters are ours is an old aristocratic family there is none better to be found in our state or in the union we have wealth too and i flatter myself that clarence augustus is is as handsome a man as you would find anywhere he is amiable in this position also and would as i said before make an excellent husband will you not undertake his cause believe me it is painful for me to refuse but i could not in good conscience but why not simply for the reason my husband gave we both consider moral purity more essential than anything else in those we admit to even friendly acquaintance with our children especially on our young daughters my son is not a bad man mrs travilla very far from it mrs ford exclaimed in the tone of one who considers herself grossly insulted not i am sure as the world looks upon those things said elsie but the bible is our standard and guided by its teaching we desire above all things else purity of heart and life in those who seek friendship of our children we especially desire it in those who would become their partners for life and the future fathers or mothers of their offspring should it please god to give them any that is certainly looking ahead returned mrs ford with a polite sneer not farther than it is our duty since after marriage it is too late to consider to any profit what kind of parent our already irrevocably chosen partner for life will probably make well well every one to her taste said mrs ford rising to go but had i a daughter i should infinitely prefer uh, for her husband such a young man as my clarence augustus as to that poor artist who is so attentive to miss travilla good morning i am sure i may trust you not to blazon this matter abroad you certainly may mrs ford elsie returned with sweet and gentle courtesy and believe me it has been very painful to speak words that have given pain to you what is it little wife miss travilla asked coming in a moment after Mrs. Ford's departure and finding Elsie alone and seemingly sunk in a painful reverie. She repeated what had just passed and added, I am very glad now that we decided to return to Philadelphia to-morrow. I could see Mrs. Ford was deeply offended, and it would be unpleasant for both of us to remain longer in the same house. As she and her son go with a boating party to-day, and we leave early in the morning, I trust we are not likely to encounter each other again. Yes, it is all for the best, he said, but I wish I could have shielded you from this trial. End of chapter twenty seven.